Hey ladies and gents, welcome to the Controlled Interest Gamecast, where we talk about video games and everything happening in the industry. Episode 249, so close to the big 250. I'm your host, Jared Weich. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, Dominic Orlando. Who has come unprepared with a clever, witty intro line. So instead, I'm just admitting my lack of preparation without any cleverness. You usually default to something, you know, Dark Souls-related, praise the sun. Uh, before we started recording, we were talking about mukbangs. I thought you were going to go with, like, praise the mukbang or something. Mukbang. Uh, yeah. uh, not to get too far into it, but it's crazy how, like, those... For those who don't know, mukbangs are videos where people eat and, like, usually answer questions or talk to the camera. And it's, like, story time stuff. There's uh, There was, like, a famous YouTuber who started doing mukbangs. He was, like, maybe maybe your size, maybe a little bit lighter than you. And over the course of like doing mukbangs for like two or three years, he ballooned up like and his health got really bad, but he hasn't stopped doing them because he still gets tons of views. That's scary. It's like when you kind of sacrifice your health for monetary gain, right? Very scary. Yeah. I mean, like some of us, like many of us do in our jobs, maybe just less literally, but. (laughs) <laughs> less are, noticeable visually right yeah exactly let's just say there are there are many many different ways that you can sell your body that aren't what you think of when that phrase comes up anyway yeah especially when you hear about how like uh how much like paid vacation time uh people overseas get and stuff compares yeah. uh, compared to like american oh, workers and all that we can go on let's have a whole podcast about that <laughs> and, yeah and welcome to the uh and... welcome to the uh American Issues Podcast, because uh, there's plenty of them these days. Um, let's get into the news. Uh, so we have a rundown going over a couple of news stories, and then topic was kind of tough. We were, I said last week we were going to go over the E3 stuff, but there's not a whole lot there. It's like, yeah, the E3 is returning. It's going to be managed by a company that kind of knows what they're doing. But until we get more concrete details, there's not a whole lot to talk about. Like Once we know who's siding with who, like who Jeff Keeley gets and who E3 gets, I think that'll be more interesting to talk about for now. It's like, hey, three's happening again, but by the time it comes around next year, what shape will it be in? Um, so I got an interesting topic of a story uh, that kind of interests both of us, and I want to see what our ideas are for what it could possibly be. Anyways, let's get to the rundown. First up, the first story, this is kind of uh, news that broke the morning of us recording, which is July 14th. I, I titled this one, Skating on Thin Ice. Uh, EA and its developers have announced that Skate, the new... Uh, basically retooling of the franchise people wanted to return will be free to play it's going to support full cross play it's going to have cross progression between last gen and current gen on both consoles and pc um it's going to have the same typical model you'd expect from free to play so it's going to have cosmetics and stuff for people to get they talked about a halo forge type mode where people can build their own courses uh skating uh courses and parks and stuff um obviously with anything like this especially for me a there's a lot of controversy, uh, maybe not controversy, just, I guess, polarizing opinions on it, Dom, of, you have people in the camp of, you know, this is, as as much as people say they love Skate or Tony Hawk's Pro Skater, it's a very niche genre, it's not going to sell like a Red Dead or Grand Theft Auto, I mean, a few games do, but it's not going to necessarily sell very well, and in the current age, these types of games in these genres kind of have to go free to play in order to survive. Um, so people kind of understand that of like, oh, I want skate to come back. So I guess this is the, the monkey's paw, the devil's deal we have to make in order for that to happen. Then you have people on the other hand of like, of course, EA would make a free to play game. This thing is going to be micro microtransactioned up the butt. There's going to be so many poor, awful things about this game, predatory things. Um, I somewhat fall in the middle. Like I understand why this game is going free to play and why that's the case. Um, my one question is like, what's this game going to look like when it releases? Is it going to be like a, a beta early access type thing is where it builds upon itself or is it going to be a full fledged free to play title? And then it adds on through battle passes or whatever. Um, and then obviously with EA, they're not as awful as they have been in recent years. Ubisoft's kind of taken that crown, uh, for many reasons, but whenever you have EA attached to free to play, it is a little worrisome. I'm hoping that they learn from games like apex legends, which is free to play and it's thriving obviously run by respawn uh what do you think about this news of uh skate the new skate being free to play it just makes me think of every time uh, you know a big game comes out that has some form of microtransactions whether it's something egregious you know like loot boxes um 
or just yeah battle passes whatever it is it's always it always seems like it's never quite right at launch and a lot of times they end up fixing it but uh, you know after a bunch of negative feedback like they keep trying to do it in the worst way possible and sometimes they correct afterwards you know but learn the lesson like look around so especially here when it was also ea that completely botched the battlefront 2 launch because they had loot boxes so bad you know incentivizing kids to spend all their you know max out their parents credit cards and all that on these little gambling boxes um give them that giving them that fresh dopamine hit for a, a loot box with a you know a clone trooper skin or whatever um so like they can't keep making the same mistake over and over again and that's what i kind of fear so what why are it shouldn't even be a, a question to me at this point right so i guess it's also ea that does apex like you mentioned which is a, a much better healthier model of a free-to-play game right so it's it's not consistent but i i feel like we should we should have more faith at this point that companies are going to do it right you know but we don't so that's that's kind of where i'm at um i've like waver like they should be able to do this in a way that isn't completely offensive and terrible but i, I just don't feel like they necessarily will and i guess if you wanted to make a point that that's the cost of this game even happening at all is it has to be free to play i mean i i don't know i i get the idea that or i get the vibe that a lot of people want this game when was the last skate game is you know, like late 2000 2000s or whatever like 2010 or something i feel like there was a wii game um like xbox 360 era but nothing i just feel like there's a high demand for this game and if you in the right hands with the right setup it could just be a regular priced retail game i don't know so i i don't necessarily buy that this is the only way it can happen maybe it's the only way it can happen when ea owns the ip but um i'd be curious to it to compare it to because we just had the remasters for the first two tony hawk games right and i always see those going on sale a lot lately but i'd be curious to how those performed i think that was like regular price on those was 40 bucks not each but like for, together i'm pretty sure um so i'd be curious like how well did that sell like is there enough demand out there for skateboarding games um so i feel like there is but hopefully hopefully you know people are happy with what ea does with skate here and maybe i'll try it out because i've never played i've hardly even played a tony hawk game certainly not a skate game um so i guess there is the the, the point of view where, like someone like me maybe i'll try it since it's free um We'll see. So to answer your couple of things you said there, first up, the last skate game was Skate 3 in 2010. The DS oh, title cool. released in 2008, which was Skate It. Oh, okay. uh, so yeah, it's been over a decade. And then Tony Ox Pro Skater 1 Plus 2, uh, the sales numbers I can pull up as quickly as possible say that it became the fastest, the fastest selling game in the franchise. It sold 1 million copies in its first two weeks. That feels pretty uh, good. Seems good. And in the UK, it was the game. The game was the biggest launch for the franchise since 2003's Tony Ox Underground. And th the thing there too is like, well, yeah, it's going to be the fastest selling because the gaming market in general is way larger than it was back then. Sure. So it's like, well, how does that factor in? And I mean, yeah, I just, I think the thing that's most important about this game is that the physics and the gameplay work. I think if they nail that and it feels like skating, it's what people wanted. I think people will deal with maybe even some of the crummier, um, like in-game currency stuff or whatever, um, as long as the physics and the base of that game is there. Because I, I, I could almost guarantee that people will log into this game and never worry about the microtransactions once, as long as they're able to go into, uh, you know, a, a skate park or a random map and just mess around with the physics because that's why people love skate so much so i think as long as they yeah. nail that it'll be fine um but yeah i can i almost certainly would put money on the fact that when this game launches there will be a complaint about something whether warranted or not <laughs> regarding its free-to-play nature we'll just have to wait and see uh next up 
Screw a Nintendo Direct, Nintendo simply tweets. So in addition to announcing a new multiplayer Kirby game, which is like similar to Fall Guys, except it doesn't have any of the stuff that makes Fall Guys interesting, in my opinion. Uh, Nintendo also announced via tweet that uh, Bayonetta 3 is coming out October 28th of this year. Uh, pretty weird Nintendo decision, which isn't obviously too um, uncommon for them. Not a whole lot of news here. I know me, me and you aren't really super interested in Bayonetta 3. They really say it's cool for Nintendo's catalog and for people who have been waiting for that game. I just wanted to talk for us, Dom, more about... You know, we talked about last week, I believe, right? How they announced the God of War Ragnarok release date for PlayStation. This is not the vibe I want, as kids would say. This isn't the, this isn't a vibe. I, I, I don't like these tweets, and I... I wonder, why do you think this is happening this year? Do you think it's due to the unstable nature of game development the last couple of years and these studios want people to know these games are out, but they don't want to commit to a date until the 11th hour? Like, why do you think Nintendo, who has done this in the past, PlayStation not as much as Nintendo, but they still have as well. Why do you think this is a case with two of the probably highest selling games we're going to see this year in God of War Ragnarok and Bayonetta 3? As far as them getting announced, so kind of nonchalantly, not laissez-faire, yeah, yeah, not as a part of a direct, you know, not as your final note. I'm like, and then like you're you do put out these directs and say the plays, and well, recently they've been good, but many times, you know, you put them out and and the reception is kind of lukewarm a lot, right? Like, eh, yeah, it was fine, it was cool. When I'm like, why not just have held that direct for? <laughs> this announcement so if it was the fact that like you know the bayonetta team needed a little bit more time before they wanted to confirm their date publicly then hold the direct they put these directs out and these data plays on any random day of the week they want right any time they want it seems like like they can do they have so much control over it's like i wonder if it's a thing of there's other stuff in the direct you know that they were obligated to put a certain date by exactly and so then they're picking and choosing and they're trying to, I just imagine putting together the directs, like the logistics around it, of like getting everyone on board in an, in alignment, kind of like scheduling a, a meeting between 10 people in six different time zones. It's like, how do you make everyone happy? Sometimes if someone has to be the odd man. But from a marketing standpoint, right? If you're Nintendo, if you can tell a third party company like, Hey, we want to have your thing as part of a direct. Would you rather have us do it in this one where we had the previous contractual agreement or could we renegotiate and we can tell you that, you know, it's going to be part of one where we're going to market it as Bayonetta 3 being there so more eyes are guaranteed on it, yeah. you know what I mean? And that's something I think they can maybe work on in the future of, like, more I, like more eyes would have been on that direct if Nintendo would have said Bayonetta 3 is going to be a part of it as opposed to oh, it's a third-party partner direct. You know, still people watch it for sure, but I don't know. It's it's weird. Same thing with PlayStation 2 of, like, giving us the that presentation right before Summer Game Fest and then having Last of Us at Summer Game Fest. Like, was that worth it in regards to not having God of War be included? I don't know. It's exactly. It's weird to me. It's, like... Obviously, it's still good. The games are still going to sell as well, and they're going to review as well or not as well as they are. It has no stakes on that, but have some like flair to your announcement. Like these devs have been working on these games for years. I'm pretty sure they don't want the announcement of their release date to be a tweet. <laughs> you know what I mean? They want it to be a little bit more celebratory than that. It's weird. I wonder if it's in the in the essence of just trying to spread things out. So yeah, say Sony did hold the Last of Us remake stuff and the god of war date and included both of those things in their last state of play even if that state of play had to be you know last week instead of a month ago or two months ago whenever it was that it would have been huge it was already a great state of play right and so if they would have added those two things it would have been like like we're like bonkers great right and then um i don't know i I, it just seems like that would have been that would have been a, a a higher notch for them to hit but then the flip is, well, you still want a presence at Summer Game Fest. Uh, and then a couple weeks later, you get somewhat of a presence when you announce God of War information. So maybe they're going, like, or at least the strategy is, like, prolong, you know, less peak viewers uh, kind of a thing or attention and more, like, prolonged attention. I don't know. That's the only thing I can think of, but 
I, I suspect that it's not actually the strategy and it's just like it's hard to work the shit out and it's just the way it falls sometimes. Yeah, and I also want to call it the fact that I am I'm being a bit of a hypocrite in terms of we often talk about like, man, how many times have we seen this game? Just don't show it to us again until it's going to release, right? But yeah. the counter argument to that is like, well, if you're giving me the release date, then that kind of goes with my argument of like, yeah, show me it again with the release date. So, yeah, it's just it's more of a bummer. Like, like I said, it doesn't affect the sales of the games or anything like that. It just it's just like, ah, man, like I wish this was had a little bit more flared, a little bit more showmanship. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like if you, uh, you know, for instance, uh, I played obviously, uh, sports in high school. You did, too. Uh, like, say you make, like, a state all-star team or something, right? There's a difference between, like, your coach coming in the room and making a show of it and being like, hey, guys, I want to announce you made the team and uh, having a celebration. And then him, like, walking by your locker and just handing you a note that says you made, like, the all-star team. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, sure, you're still going to the all-star game. But right. the difference between those two things, you know, just makes it more of an event. So like- a bit of a bummer hockey and basketball i always love these when it happens because it happened again this year i think for hockey but when you win the championship in the you know the other team's arena so for football it doesn't happen because it's uh, sites yeah but like you have to win and the other team's fans are just like just quiet and like shut like on their way out of the arena instead of yeah, your confetti's falling and everyone's just walking out it's like i don't want to yeah. be here <laughs> yeah. yeah like you still won but it wasn't nearly as you know an event um Granted, at least they get back and they'll go do their parade or whatever. But yeah, I get your point. I was thinking, uh, uh, small little sports tangent, we won't stand it too long. I was thinking about this time. You know how in baseball, the managers for the teams have to wear the uniform as well? Mm-hmm. I was thinking of how funny it would be if like hockey, basketball, and football had to do the same things. Like the coach, it wouldn't be as crazy for basketball, right? Because it's just like a jersey and shorts. But for like hockey and football, that'd be so funny to see the coach out there and just yeah. full pads and gear. Hilarious. Uh, <laughs> Let's get to some good news. Uh, going platinum, baby. Studio, MDHR, and Dot Emu both announced that their releases, Cuphead, Delicious Last Course, and TMNT, which is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Shredder's Revenge, both eclipse the million sold mark, which is awesome. Uh, we talked about a couple of weeks ago. The fact that the DLC for Cuphead was 8 bucks is like some of the craziest value you ever see uh, in gaming. And then for me, like Shredder's Revenge is in Game Pass, so I didn't even have to pay money for that. Mm-hmm. And that's another thing we often talk about. Does Game Pass hurt sales? Well, apparently not. It still sold a million copies despite being on Game Pass. Um, so, yeah, I think it's really cool. Obviously, both smaller indie releases. Uh, and for Studio MDHR, the amount of craftsmanship i mean i don't want to take anything away from dot emo either tmnt looks awesome it's pixel art is incredible but like it's great to see them being financially compensated through sales for these products um i don't know i don't know if there's anything else to add it's just nice to see them getting those sales returns you know it wasn't all for not i can just picture if cuphead were owned by let's let's keep picking on ea because they're an easy one to pick on apparently um you know, they them telling the developer like you get you need to charge more than eight dollars, at least round it up to ten. Why is it eight? And you know, them being well, you know, it's only, it's like four hours of content, so like we just want to give our fans like trying to make some case like that. And then I could just see like you could have charged twenty bucks for it. Quite frankly, um, there might have been some small conversation about a short for twenty bucks, but. I don't know. I think that goes a long way. I was reminded of um, uh, Metroid Dread. I was thinking about the other day, and after I played that, thinking well, this was a really great, you know, Metroidvania game. It was almost as good as Hollow Knight. Hollow Knight was fifteen dollars, and Metroid Dread was like sixty. So um, it just goes like Hollow Knight way underpriced, frankly, right? But oh, for sure, goes, yeah. <laughs> it goes such a long way, though. Like, maybe it's riskier because because it's we're talking about Hollow Knight, which is just a great game regardless of the price, the value proposition. Um, same with Cuphead, it's just a great game. So maybe these these things that's not going to work out all that well if your game is crap. But maybe it's riskier in that sense. But when you know what you've got, and you know with Cuphead, this is the DLC, so you know what you've got, and you know people are going to want it. So for them to like come in at eight bucks is, it's, I don't know, it's cool. And so yeah, I'm with you. It's awesome to see that that worked out for them and maybe maybe even more cuphead in the future will be a result and you know i think it kind of shows too how powerful the tmnt branding still is because you know 
beat em ups aren't a popular friend. Like, obviously, they're beloved, but you don't normally see things outside of like Streets of Rage or something sell a million copies as a beat em up. So that's cool. Um, I hope Dot Emu gets hired for other licenses because, though very little I've played of Shredder's Revenge so far, the quality of it is so good and uh, it fits perfectly in the Game Pass lineup. Uh, not a sponsor, the best value in gaming. <laughs> um, next up, let's get to the topic of the show. This one's titled The Apex Legend Grows. So, recently, according to job listings uh, over at Respawn Entertainment's official website, they're working on a new single-player first-person shooter uh, title set in the world of Apex Legends. Uh, not titled, uh, not, sorry. The thing I kind of mistypoed there. The thing I want to talk about there, and we'll get to after I finish this, is that it's interesting that it's labeled as being set in the world of Apex Legends, not set in the world of Titanfall, because Apex Legends is set in the world of Titanfall, but we'll get to that. Uh, so it's described in the job listing as a, quote, Apex Universe FPS incubation title. Um, so that's interesting. And lastly, uh, the other thing I wanted to add, um, you may be thinking, well, man, how many games is Respawn working on? They have the Star Wars title. They have the other Star Wars title. Um, last year, didn't they announce that they were working on a new single-player title that wasn't Star Wars? Yeah, so it's actually not confirmed whether this listing is the same as what they announced officially because they officially announced in 2021 that they were working on a new single-player title uh, that wasn't Star Wars related. So it's unclear if this is a separate project from that or if this is the project they were talking about and we're just seeing the job listings now. So the first thing I want to talk about, Dom, is uh, the funny enough thing of this being set in the world of Apex Legends and not Titanfall. And people are probably wondering why they would make that distinction. And I think it's honestly just solely based on popularity. Mm-hmm. As much as I love Titanfall and we both love Titanfall 2, Apex Legends is the big dog of that franchise. It's the name people know. So when you're saying set in the world of Apex Legends, that's going to be a lot more meaningful to millions more people than if it said set in the world of Titanfall as for us, it doesn't seem like that big of a distinction because we understand both of those are set in the same world. But when it comes to marketing, that's, that's everything. Um, I wanted to talk about kind of what our hopes are for this. Um, you know, I think the best parts of Titanfall two were its level design and its overall gameplay. I think the weakest parts of it were probably it's, it's like narrative core in terms of its full-on writing, though the characters I think were good. Obviously, the main character and then his his uh, Titan. I think that adding in one of the strengths of Apex Legends, which is its characters, I think the people that they have on the team for the character designs, the lore building, all of that, they nail it with each new character. It's really dope. I love the backstories they give them. I love the animated shorts they do. This is kind of like, for me, a nice melding of my favorite parts of the Titanfall franchise. And I hope that it is at its baseline, most easy to digest explanation. It's Titanfall with more characters uh, or character, I guess not specific characters. It's like, you know, Titanfall two with more character. Um, what do you think? Like, what do you want from this? Cause I know this has your interest. Obviously apex legends would never get that. Cause it's a multiplayer game, but respawn making a single player first person shooter. You're ready, right? Uh, what I want from this is for it to not detract from any Star Wars titles that Respawn is <laughs> working on. Different team, um, different team. Yeah, no, but yeah, more seriously, uh, it's going to be, I did play Titanfall 2, um, I think like a, only maybe two years ago or something, finally. Um, and it was fun. Uh, I, I think I'd agree with what you said. The level design is what made it really cool. Uh, the shooting felt great, and, and of course, too. Um, I don't really remember the story. But I a man in his Titan is like the most anybody really remembers, right? He had his partner yeah. that kind of protected him, and that's pretty much it. <laughs> I, I remember they were kind of stranded, and it was not anything huge, grand, world-saving kind of story. It was more like survive and then maybe do a thing or two. I don't, I don't remember. But, um, yeah, it was more like I remember not even any specifics, but, yeah, I do remember like the, the Titan was actually interesting. They actually had conversations that were like uh, kind of endearing and, and that kind of thing. Um, so I guess I I expect the shooting to feel as good if you know you're a little bit better. So you know on that on that level of a Call of Duty, a Destiny, like this has got to be you know one of your titans. 
no pun intended, of FPSs, right? So it's got to feel and play great. And yeah, good level design. But th those are all kind of like what we expect as a base. I really want to see like a, a cool story overall. Because Titanfall didn't ever really have that for me, at least. Um, I've never really played Apex Legends, but being that it's, you know, Battle Royale, I don't... I feel like there's good... I, don't they have, like, character backgrounds? But there's not, like, an overarching story, is there, at all? So, it's like Overwatch in that there's an overarching story, and everyone wants them to make a single-player game based on these people's adventures, but it's all set to the backdrop of a Battle Royale where... You'll hear like lines of dialogue that call out to an event that happened in the past. And obviously they have their animated shorts that come out on YouTube whenever a new character is revealed. But it's not like a set narrative you can necessarily follow. They did add a game mode where you can, it's like a single player thing where you can like play a small little like chapter thing against AI. But it's not what you'd call like a video game single player mm -hmm. mode, if that makes sense. Um but that's the thing is all the characters, I think they do an excellent job with. They all feel very distinct. And I think that's the most exciting thing is just like the people that I think would love Overwatch characters if they were into multiplayer games. I think you would really dig a lot of the Apex Legends characters if you were into Battle Royale. This is their way to get you into the franchise. Because if they can make it so not only are the people who are playing the Battle Royale love the characters, but you love the characters... Then, not saying it would happen with you, but maybe some of those people are like, oh, I do want to go check out Apex Legends because I really enjoyed this, or vice versa. And I just think that that's the best of both worlds, and I hope Overwatch does that with... I think they have a single-player campaign for Overwatch 2 whenever that comes out. I'm not too sure. Um, but I do think there's wasted potential in some of these multiplayer games where people who just don't play those type of games lose out on some of the really cool lore and storytelling that they do but even the people who play them are losing out on the storytelling that that could potentially be there because like they can only flesh them out as much as the design of the game will allow you to you know what i mean and i do think there's a lot of people on that team writers and designers that are probably stoked that they're like oh we can tell like a narrative that is a lot more like storytelling wise like something people would go to the movie to see or watch television yeah. or read a book and it's not this like weird middle ground that we have to make with multiplayer titles. I'm excited. Um, I'm with you that I, I don't want this to detract from star Wars. Cause I'm so excited <laughs> for Jedi fallen survivor. Didn't know if I'd remember the name off the top of my head. Um, do we remember? I know it's coming in 2023. Was there, was there a specified, like, was it early 2023? I think that I want to say this at early, not spring, but early, but I'm going to early. Now I need to know. Okay. Um, I'm going to look up while you're doing that. I wonder, because it feels to me like Respawn has a bunch of projects in the work. Or maybe I'm thinking of, remember Vince Zampella went to go work, uh, run the Battlefield support studio that became its own studio? Do you remember that? Yes. Yeah, it was, uh, I forgot what the name of it was, but then he they rebranded. So I'm looking at games. Okay, this is interesting. So I'm looking at Wikipedia, which obviously, take it with a grain of salt, but I trust Wikipedia for the most part. On their website, they have, or sorry, on Wikipedia, they have Jedi, uh, Star Wars Jedi Survivor, right? Which is 2023. But then they also have an additional Star Wars first-person shooter, which I don't remember the thing. And then they have a Star Wars strategy game. Oh, right. Yep. Yeah, I don't remember this. Sorry, so but did you find out information? All I can see is 2023, so I don't think they specified. It might have just been us implying or, you know, assuming early. It might be. Because it was never delayed. That was the thing. We thought it might be this fall. And maybe it was an internal delay, I think was, like, the rumor. But they technically never delayed it. So uh, it might end up being next fall. I don't know. Hopefully it's earlier than that. Uh, on the Wikipedia too, it says that Peter Hirschman is directing the FPS Star Wars game, okay. and uh, they're co-developing the strategy game with Bit Reactor. Now, Bit Reactor is in a studio that I know off the top of my head, so I'm gonna look up to see who like, because I might give an indication of what type of strategy game. Bit Reactor. Do they even have any games? Maybe it's a new studio. Yeah, it doesn't look like they have anything. It might be a new studio that was made. Uh, 
Yeah, new independent AAA video game studio founded by developer. Oh, this is the XCOM Civ guys. Okay, so that's so exciting. They had experience with XCOM and Civ, so it should be. And those are two very different strategy games, though. So I'm interested to see: is this Star Wars game going to be like you building an empire like Civ, which is dope, or is it like XCOM, which is also would be dope? Like both of those things would be very interesting. So there was a game that came out, I think, around like 2004 or five, somewhere in that era area called empire at war i think and it was kind of like not not civ but what are they there's like a a, a real-time strategy um but it was in space uh, it's very popular i think it had star in the name oh my goodness uh real-time strategy. Oh, are you game. talking of starcraft starcraft that's gotta be it um and so it was similar it was Supposedly, like from the little research I've been doing on it lately, which is a whole other topic, but it this Empire at War game was like a, a slightly worse version of StarCraft, but it was, you know, with Star Wars. Oh, I'm looking game. at images of it. It looks sick. I mean, for yeah. the time, for sure. Yeah. Exactly. Um, And there's since been a lot of cool mods that people have made because the game obviously hasn't had support in a while. But just do that. And that would be, that would be great. You know, do a modern version of that. And that'd be awesome. But just as well, if it was an XCOM thing too, um, I'd be slightly less into that because, like, some something about that style of gameplay never really um, hit with me. But I did play like a whole lot of, uh, oh my goodness, now Empire, uh, Age of Empires when I was uh, younger, and I feel like that was real time too, if I'm remembering correctly. The Age so, of Empires is real time, yeah. Yeah, so I know I can get into that style of game, and especially if it's Star Wars, um, I'd get into it. For what sure, about? But yeah. What about a Civ style strategy game? And so that's going to be Age of Empires, except more turn-based, right? Like more, tab, more strategic. Yeah. I've never well, played. Well, yeah, Civ isn't Civ isn't real time. Right, Civ okay. is like, uh, yeah, it's 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 its own thing. So like you, you can attack and stuff, but it's it's more it's more like turn-based. If that you know, I don't know. I, I, it's hard for me to describe. Have you ever played? Have you never played a Civ? No, never. So basically, like you pick a country to start with. I'm gonna do it as simple of explanation as i can say i pick united states you start off like in the bronze age and then you decide what you want to invest in if it's like education industry all that stuff and you go through the times and depending on what you invest in and stuff you kind of want to lean into that where you can be like you can get diplomatic victories or you can get like violence war-based victories or you can get like you you basically choose how you want to develop your country and over the course of time you can send out units to take over other territories but it's not necessarily um active combat like a lot of starcraft uh games are where it's like you're moving units in real time you kind of do that but it's it's way more strategy turn-based than it is like active combat and i think that'd be interesting with star wars because you can like build your own like you know empire essentially for XCOM, i think the interesting thing would be instead of classes it would be like you know do you have bounty hunters do you have like jedi are are jedi or sith like are they higher level characters you kind of have to unlock do you start with a lot more like um uh, like street level criminal type guys um that whole thing and maybe if you pick one side or the other you have different mission structures of like if you're helping the empire if you're part of the rebellion you know a lot of that stuff could be really cool uh, and the, the permadeath stuff is always nice too. Um, I'm interested to see it because I think yeah we're pretty much stuck to uh, getting the the shooters and then obviously with Fallen Order, uh, and then we got um what was the name of the the ship combat game that we got like a year ago ago two years ago? I think it was just Squadrons. Squadrons, yeah. So it's, it's nice to see more Star Wars games in other genres. Um, I'm curious to see. There's no shot that that new Star Wars FPS is uh, another Battlefront, right? They can't EA kind of. I'm hoping for more. Yeah, I really doubt it because then just do Battlefront three, right? I'm hoping for something more like. Ah, um... oh, man, I'm blanking on the title. I've been doing research on old Star Wars games recently, and there was one, a Republic Commando, I think it was called, where basically it's during the Clone Wars, and you are just you're commanding a squad of clones right so there's like five or sixty or whatever and you point them around kind of like a maybe like a not quite gears of war but it's because it's first person but yeah you point your squad and tell them to do stuff and put them in positions and 
that kind of thing. So uh, again, an FPS, but a little bit more strategic squad-based kind of FPS. And I would be thrilled and excited if Respawn was doing something along those lines. You know, like otherwise, I don't know what else. Then you're like, is it a like a like a like a bounty hunter kind of game that we suspect? Well, here's maybe? the thing. I don't know. Here's what I'm thinking. And obviously, this is all speculation. Who knows? But to me, it's like we have the, the report that they're working on a single-player FPS game set in the Apex Legends universe. I don't know if Respawn would be working on two single-player FPS games at the same time. Because mm-hmm. uh, we already know they're working on, obviously, Survivor. My one... It wouldn't be a worry to me because I'd be interested in it. But I know it might be a worry to you. Is... They could be working on a multiplayer game that isn't Battlefront, but with their success with Apex Legends and the lack of a Battle Royale Star Wars game, that partnership kind of makes sense for them to make uh, a free-to-play multiplayer Star Wars game, right? Might not be a Battle Royale necessarily, but I wouldn't be surprised if that was the case. And honestly, if you were like, okay, Jared, here's $1,000, you have to put it on either that FPS Star Wars game is a single-player game or a multiplayer game. Obviously, it could be both as well. And I had to pick one of those two. Based on everything we know about what's happening at Respawn, I would have to put the money on multiplayer, in my opinion, because I think that's the more likely case. But, like I said, it could easily be both, too. It could have a multiplayer mode to it. Um, who knows? I don't know. It's, it's weird because I don't... Obviously, we both trust Respawn with whatever they decide to do. I think Disney seeing the success of Respawn understands that, but also I think Disney had a tough talk with EA about multiplayer Star Wars based on Battlefront. So I don't know how much of that was dictated by Disney of like, we're not retreading old ground and Respawn is like, okay, well then here's your idea. You know, I think there's a lot of factors in play with that whole thing because EA dropped the ball, but Respawn is great. And I think uh, Disney believes in them, especially with uh, Jedi Fallen Order. So I don't know. You you get what I'm saying? I rambled yeah, a bit there. That's a good point about the multiplayer thing. I'm probably stuck too much in what I want, and maybe it probably might be a little more realistic that it's a multiplayer thing. But I just had because the other thing I'm always complaining about is okay, let's do more Star Wars games. That's awesome, but let's do some that aren't canon. That's what else I'm always saying. And why not only that, but like, what if because I've recently been reading the uh, like Timothy Zahn. Uh, or the Empire, like, Thrawn trilogy of, of books or whatever, which was kind of like the original pitch for the sequel trilogy back in, like, I don't know when those books were written, like, 90s or something. And uh, they're they're really good, like, super fantastic. And so now I'm like, why can't we not only do something um, outside of the current canon of Star Wars, so it could be something either entirely original or take some of the legend stuff, as they now call it, right? When Disney bought Lucasfilm and turned everything. That'll outside never of the... happen, man. I think the like, reality, I think with Disney owning them, I don't think they'd ever do. They would do Legends in the way they're doing it in the shows and the movies where they take parts that they like and they make it canon. Mm-hmm. But with Disney, man, I think the way they it's a handle reach, everything. For sure. I don't it's think like... there's any shot we get something like that, unfortunately. I think it'd be cool. I mean, at the very base, what we talked about, like, Give me a game where I can at least play as something that's non-human in a Star Wars game that's not like Battlefront. Like a single-player game where I can be a non-human would be really cool considering you have this franchise that's full of vast different alien species and I don't really ever get to play as any of them, really, you know? Yeah, I mean, realistically, the best I can hope for is something just original and non-canon and just to doing their own thing. Well, so what do you mean by that? Because they can make original... You mean you don't want it to tie directly into like the Skywalker saga is what you're saying? Well, not only not tie into it, but it's just not connected. Like, they could do something that contradicts Skywalker Saga, or that breaks the canon, if it were a part of it, but it's I not. See, I don't so know. Like... I don't think that'll ever happen either. <laughs> I well, think the it... closest thing you could get to that is where they make a game full of original characters that don't touch the Skywalker Saga, and it is all original. But, like, I don't know. if Disney is weird with that stuff, man. And that's like... just what bothers me, because it's so limiting. Even if, like, you don't touch... You have to go so far out of the timeline, and even then, there's still things you're going to run into, and it just feels like, why can't they just do whatever the heck they want? I I don't, you know, label it if you want to. That's great. Like, oh, this is the official, this is the canon, and then this stuff is just other stuff, right? Yeah, so, so if it contradicts certain things, 
not anything crazy, um, unless you're literally going to call it, you know, like, what if or whatever, then you can obviously have fun and do things backwards. But, you know, like small stuff like might contradict other rules that have been set in random episodes of a, you know, niche Clone Wars episode or some, something stupid, you know. I just feel like why I, I, it bugs me that they limit themselves so much to like this strict canon. Like just do what you want and label it appropriately. But like, why do we? I don't think we need these rules so much. It kind of. I mean, we could have a whole conversation as to if things were to be non-canon, how the Star Wars fandom would. I mean, they the way they react to things that are canon. You know what I mean? Like, there's a whole lot tied up in all that stuff, and I don't know if we'll ever see that. I think the closest thing we could ever get to that is if Disney's like. This is the video game universe of Star Wars. It has its own canon, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Like, yeah, like I don't Spider-Man, think... PS4, or whatever. It's like, it's its own... Exactly. It, it is limiting. But... It's like, just... You can make clear guidelines of, yeah, this is canon, this isn't. It's I think, in some ways, you're underestimating the understanding of your audience to be able to know... Both these video games exist, but they're not both canon to the, the, the main timeline. You know what I mean? I don't know. That would be cool, though. Yeah. I don't know if that'll ever happen. but <laughs> Which makes me think of, yeah, the Spider-Man game is a, is a good example. Um, it's a little stricter because it's at least in its own thing. But there's, like, so many Batman games that are just whatever. And, like, I don't know. It, yeah, a lot of people. And Marvel's just... Avengers, right? That game came out at the height of the MCU and it's its own thing. Yeah. So. Yeah, sorry. I, I hate to bring it down. I know you're so optimistic about what could be with Star Wars, yeah. but like, you know, I, if, if, if I'm anybody for you, Dom, I'm the one that has to rein it in a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Keep me um, sane, then. It is cool, though. I mean, Respawn is definitely, outside of like, from software, Respawn is a studio that I highlight and circle an exclamation point whenever their next release comes out because they're just so good at what they do. And that's the cool thing is like, I'm excited for their next Apex Legends project, which we talked about the new news, but I'm also super stoked about Survivor. And I'm also really interested in this first person shooter. I'm also interested in the strategy game. Um, I wonder when we're going to get the first, have we got an announcement of a non EA studio working on a Star Wars game yet? Like an official? Just you. Oh, uh, Quantic Dream. Oh, and Quantic Dream. Yep. Of course. Yeah. 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 Do you, when do you think we'll get the next one? Next the year next announcement of like a non EA studio working on a Star Wars game. Yeah, probably next year we'll hear about something. I bet. I hope when I hope they do the thing that you I think was one of your predictions for Summer Game Fest, where Indie give the game. license to a non AAA studio, let yeah. them work on something. Yeah, even if it's like a really dumb project, like get the people who made a what's the goose? Is it just called Goose Game? Is that what that game was called? Untitled Goose Game, yeah. Yeah, do that, but like with a Porg or something. It'd be hilarious. Obviously not the same yeah. exact game, but yeah, just it, let people create stuff. It seems like instead they just make, you know, a bunch of mobile games that are full of microtransactions and not fun and shit like that. Uh, Marvel does the same thing of like there's 17,000 mobile games. And it's like, yeah. Or uh, some of my favorite anime do it. Uh, one cool thing I wanted to mention real quick before we get to what we've been playing and close out the show. So, you know, how I talk about uh, Smite. You've heard me talk about it, the multiplayer game that I play, right, Dom, where they have, like, skins for characters. The mm. most recent one they did was a Nickelodeon theme. They, didn't, they did Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in the past, and they did uh, Avatar The Last Airbender, which are both Nickelodeon properties. People are still hoping they do a SpongeBob one soon. But this one added skins for four different gods, and they're uh, Zim from Invader Zim. Uh, Rocco from Rocco's Modern Life. Uh, do you remember the teenage robot cartoon with like the blue teenage robot girl? Yeah, I'm in love with the teenage robot or yeah, something. That's like that. right. Yeah. Oh. Uh, and then uh, the cinnamon toast superhero guy. I don't know that one. Uh, he's from I believe he's from Ren and Stimpy. Oh, he's God. Cinnamon Toast Man. You don't remember him? No. If you Googled him real quick, you might remember seeing him. He's literally just like Superman with like French toast as his head. He was like a character they would cut to during Ren and Stimpy of like a, like a small short. This is, that's, I don't, that's unsettling. I've never seen that and I don't like it. It's very much in the vein of like a cow and chicken. 
Like, it's definitely that vibe of Cartman. I don't know if you remember Cow and Chicken. No, what is Cow and Chicken, dude? Look up Cow and Chicken. Did you not watch... Maybe you didn't watch a whole lot of Cartoon Network as a kid? Not really. Cow and Chicken. Oh, I've seen that before, at least. Yeah, it's very much, like, weird. <laughs> uh, anyways, those are the four skins, which is cool. And then they added uh, the fifth one, which is my favorite, Danny Phantom, which is oh, dope. Of course. I love Danny Phantom. Um, so I thought it was really cool, a cool partnership. And that's the type of stuff of, like, going back to Skate, if they're able to do dope partnerships with people, like, if we don't see another Tony Hawk game, Skate, EA, partner with Tony Hawk and do, like, a – like a, if you're going to do macro transactions for people to get – do some stuff that people actually want, you know, not some weird stuff. Um, anyways – that's it for uh, the news. In terms of what we've been playing, didn't have a whole lot of time this week, so I didn't really play anything at all, unfortunately. Um, is there anything I'm known in terms of still enjoying Miss Marvel? Uh, love that show. I haven't watched the finale yet. Excited to do that. And then uh, saw the you, new... I, huh? I'm ahead of you watching Miss Marvel. Who would have oh, you watched the finale already? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was going to watch it yesterday, but then I went to go watch the new Thor film, Thor Love and Thunder. Mm. Was that good? Uh, really good. I think in terms of like the Thor movies, I liked Ragnarok more probably, but this movie did make me cry. Okay. <laughs> uh, there's some not for like superhero stuff. Uh, yeah, if you do, that's fine. There's some like emotional stuff. This isn't a spoiler because basically there's a character in the movie that gets like terminally ill, and it like hits pretty hard the way they handle that stuff. Um. Really fun movie, though. Really enjoyed it. Obviously, anything Taika Waititi directed is going to be a blast, so enjoyed my time with it as well. But no game, and unfortunately, I, haven't, I still haven't been able to get to Cuphead DLC, which I'm hoping to do this weekend. Well, I yeah, I watched all Miss Marvel, and it was pretty good. Um, I think the first was, three episodes were stronger than the... Yeah. I haven't watched the finale, obviously, but the last two. The family is so good, right? I think that's the strength <laughs> of that show. The yeah. family casting is so good. It was recently confirmed that that family is going to be in her f uh, feature film debut is going to be in the Marvels, which is a sequel to Captain Marvel. Uh, and they're all oh. confirmed to be in the cast for that film, which is sick. Um, okay, cool. I think, yeah, their whole thing was, was the best part. And then when it started to get into who the, the villains were and what they're trying to do, I just completely zoned out. I'm like, I don't even know what the heck you're saying. And it just couldn't resonate less with me. But the culture really and family stuff was so strong, right? Like yeah, the exactly. culture stuff of that show was so good. Mm -hmm. uh, the food, all the food looked so good too. I was like, "Damn, I want to try that. I want to try that." And then um, when they went to five, yeah, because you would have seen when they actually went to Pakistan. Um, yeah, and they go to some cool. It was like, oh, I don't know, it's just some cool settings and different cultures that I don't normally see in any media, really. So, or I mean, when we do see it in America, it's not painted in a positive light, unfortunately, right? Yeah. That kind of yeah. stuff. Plus, um, I don't know her name, but the, the actress who plays uh, Kamala is uh, really good. Like throughout the Amani, Amani something. I'm gonna look it up. Yeah, sounds right. And her friend. You want to hear something actually, crazy about her? All the kids are really good in that show too. Now that I think about it. What? This is her first time acting in anything ever. For real. And she uh, is incredible. Yeah, Aman wow. Vellani. Uh, her uh, her friends are both great actors. I love them both. Uh, mm -hmm. Bruno and. Dang, I forget her best friend's name, the one that runs for the board and wins. Yeah. I love in, like, the second episode when she goes up to Kamala's dad and just, like, yes. you wouldn't ruin your daughter and her friend's two young girls' dream, right, of making a difference in the world. And he's just, like, sitting there stunned. Oh, it's so good. So, yeah, I mean, overall, I really enjoyed it. Um, I'm, I'm doing such a weird thing. So I watched that show, but I had just watched Moon Knight, too. That one was kind of cool. Very different. Um Man, the guy, the villain, uh, Ethan Hawke is really cool in that. Like, oh, this well, guy, Oscar Isaac and Ethan Hawke in his show, it's, it's yeah. going to carry it regardless. <laughs> right. They're so good, yeah. And Oscar Isaac playing effectively two people also is like, I love when they do that. When it works, of course, and he fucking, he killed that. So that show was pretty cool. There's some of the stuff, too, like, into, like, what's actually going on with the gods. I sort of lost it a little bit where I just didn't quite care. The CG but, wasn't very good either. You could tell yeah. that that one had limitations for its budget, like some of the CG stuff. And I, I'm usually not harsh on CG, but 
Mm -hmm. I liked Moon Knight, but I think that one had a lot of rough parts that honestly, if Ethan Hawke and Oscar Isaac and even the girl who plays Oscar Isaac's wife, she's she's from a Rami that show I've told you about. Uh, she mm, plays okay. the sister in that show. A phenomenal actress as well. Like if the acting wasn't as good, I think that show could have been a lot worse. Yeah. Um, yeah, but there are parts of Moon Knight that are just so cool on their own um, where I think moving forward, I hope that he's more of like a cameo guest character like i don't need him to carry anything like i don't need a movie or even a season two personally but i do like him right that yeah, yeah. that's kind of how i felt too but that being said so i watched those two shows i never watched like the wanda show or the loki show the wandavision or... loki yeah and i'm like i don't know if i care to i feel like those ones are more into the marvel stuff that like i think hawkeye is worth know. watching for hawkeye you i think it's there, really like, fun yeah. and really cool Okay. WandaVision and Loki are, are, I think, the best of the shows, but they also require you to be the most intimate with the MCU. Like, you won't That's get enough out of them. I, I mean, they're still good shows, but yeah, they're so tied to the MCU. Whereas, like, Miss mm -hmm. Marvel, Moon Knight, these shows that are introducing new characters are kind of your best way in. And Hawkeye, though, it, like, is named after a, a character that currently exists. It focuses on, obviously, the Kate Bishop. And I think you, you definitely have a fun time watching that. Oh, and then Falcon. That was the other one. I never watched that either. I'm kind of interested in that one. Um, that one's good, especially just as a like a statement on current political and societal happenings in the United States. I think that one you can watch too without having any connection to the MCU. It's good. Because I think I've been reading a lot about this thing that, and I never realized it, and now like some glass just got shattered um, in my face where like, all the superhero movies, just about all of them, um, have a villain who is correct. And then they just end up, for no reason whatsoever, doing something just so terrible and vile that you're like, well, I guess that's just what happens. Basically to say, Black Panther kind of being the biggest example, where like the main villain is, all his complaints are absolutely valid, and he's pointing out all these things that are wrong in the world, but then like, but he just kills people. Because, of course. So he has to still be the villain. And I don't know. I can't quite explain it eloquently, but it's basically like to say that anyone who's against you know, the system ends up becoming too radicalized and they're also evil. It's, I don't know. So I think it's, I, I think it's a bit of a leap in like, that too. generalizing that, I guess. Uh, I, I get the sentiment, but at the same time, like the best villains are complicated like a lot of times the best villains are the people that you see doing the right thing but in the wrong way or believing in the right thing but in the wrong way because a lot of times that is how people do end up becoming radicalized like i appreciate that way of writing a villain much more than like the joker way you know um i don't know it's i i get it but at the same time that doesn't mean because that sounds like it's oversimplifying the villain where in in my eyes, like Killmonger is one of the more complicated villains in, in the MCU, you know, it's like, yeah, he believes yeah. in these right things, but that doesn't like just because how would I phrase this? You know, just because you believe in uh, that, that might be going a bit too far. Let me see if I can rephrase this in a way that isn't as crazy. Uh, uh, Hmm. I want to okay. say like globalization and like something like that. Just so you, so obviously most people should say you like are vehemently against child abuse or domestic violence, right? Obviously. Obviously that's the right stance to have, but are you justified in going out and killing every person who's been charged with that? Right? Well, yeah, exactly. And so that's, that's kind of the complaint is, uh, I guess it's, it's hard to find a good, I think I'll have to watch Black Panther again. Because I don't remember exactly all, like, the worst things that Killmonger does, you know, in the pursuit of his goals. And if they're, if they make sense. Or if they're just kind of, like, tacked on as if, like, well, he has to do terrible things because he's still the villain. And we have to make sure that that's associated with what he's doing. Whereas, I think, if you want to think about Dark Knight Rises, because eh, I watched that more recently. It might be a better example where, like, Bane is basically saying all these rich people need to just fuck off and like spread their money around or whatever. Um, but then he just wants to blow up a football stadium full of people just cause and it's like, 
and it doesn't really fit what he's trying to do ultimately even though his reasons for doing it make sense but they just kind of tack that in there because he has to be evil kind of a thing so i think you're right it's got to be well defined and can't feel tacked on and kind of a thing i think that's kind of the idea yeah, and with Falcon and the Winter Soldier, that whole thing got messed up because there was supposed to be a storyline about a virus in that show that they completely had to edit out because of COVID. Oh, completely God. had to edit out. Oh, and they man. couldn't really do a whole lot That's of reshoots. Sad. Yeah, if you read about that show, it's kind of crazy. Like, there was this whole storyline about this virus plaguing people that was kind of like the central core of the villain organization. And they kind of had to strip that out and, like, edit around it and that's why the villains in that show are kind of not great and the storyline doesn't really make sense because they literally had to just like take all the puzzle pieces and make a different puzzle <laughs> you know mm -hmm. so that'd be tough yeah that always makes me think of too i always have empathy i've been reflecting because then also i watched obi-wan kenobi obviously and that's a larger conversation but it reminds me of again like the sequel movies where as there's things that are not great about them, but like they also had to deal with really short timelines and also, you know, like Carrie Fisher dying halfway through filming shit. And so when I think of Rise of Skywalker kind of being the one that takes the biggest brunt, it was kind of the worst one. Um, they literally had to cobble together footage of Carrie Fisher <laughs> from other movies to like make it make sense. And it's to me, as much as it like isn't all that great in a lot of ways it's almost like a miracle that it's as good as it was considering those circumstances um, well then there's a whole argument of like why hire jj abrams if you're not going to have him like actually outline the entire thing and that's been jj abrams problem his whole career is he likes starting something and making a nice little mystery box and then he never finishes mm -hmm. and lets other people deal with it and then it never you can go back to lost there's so many things and with the fact that you hire somebody to do the first movie and do all this setup and you're like ah oh, we'll hire another director to figure out what's kind like kind of putting the making the path in front of you as you're walking it is terrible it's awful it's kind of like the whole thing that happened with game of thrones as well with those two idiots i don't <laughs> care if they what they think those two dudes are idiots and i'm glad they got oh, their man. star wars trilogy revoked anyways uh, that's been also uh better call saw came back on thank goodness so only like five more episodes of that show that just like pulls me pulls my brain in every every direction um but i've also i did play a video game too though um, I got into a game called Neo 2. Who would have thought? I think it was last year I played the original, finally. And now I'm getting into the sequel. And it's very much the sequel. Except this time, you get to create a character at the beginning. Instead of being given this uh, uh, this wish version of Geralt from The Witcher. <laughs> you actually get to create your own person. But uh, it's like the same game, just way deeper. And I actually have like the PS5 version. So it's like looks and runs incredibly smooth which is fun really works for that game it's really difficult to play this kind of game after elden ring without having a jump button <laughs> so i'm adjusting to that but oh yeah i'm not it's weird that in the next from software game just not having the <laughs> jump i didn't even think about that yeah it's kind of a something i got really used to but no man it's punishing and i'm really enjoying the the grind of it of learning patterns and it's it's fast and arcadey and heck of a lot of fun so far but i'll have more to talk about it over the next couple of weeks probably so but that's it i have a question for you otherwise yeah. what's your opinion on the office ah it's a great show for most of it for like seven seasons yeah so uh <laughs> for me I, it's, I don't dislike anything you'll hear my what i say uh I had the long the, the for the longest time I had the, a big issue with The Office solely based on people who liked The Office because people who really like The Office make it their whole personality, right? For better or worse, mm -hmm. like yeah. and the wear the Dunder Mifflin shirt, all that stuff. And to me, it always like it was one of those things when I was much younger and much more petty of like every time you tell me that The Office is the greatest thing and I need to watch it, I'm just going to delay it by another six months. You know what I mean? I'm just not going to watch it because people were so, like, evangelical about it. Uh, mm. So then I ended up watching the first episode. And obviously with with shows like that, especially comedies, they you have to watch a good amount of it to get into the groove, to learn the characters, to learn the beats of the humor, all that stuff. 
I watched the first episode, the the, and I didn't like it. <laughs> I was like, "This, no, I'm I'm good," uh, which obviously isn't a fair shot on my end. Um, the only reason I wanted to bring that up is because, uh, I do think in some ways Better Call Saul is approaching the office in that way, in terms of people being evangelical about it, and like I understand people can like it, and I. But part of me is like recency bias of all these people coming out and commanding that like, oh, it's easily better than Breaking Bad. Oh, it's, you know what I mean? All of this stuff. And like, I get the perspective of it possibly being better than Breaking Bad, but it's one, it's, it's just a, it kind of rubs me the wrong way that people are just like dismissing Breaking Bad. It's like, oh no, the new thing is better because it's the, you know what I mean? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm probably wrong on that because I haven't watched all of the show, but it just is, it's getting to that point for me of the, the, the conversation around Better Call Saul is souring Better Call Saul. So... <laughs> Well, I won't even tell you to go watch it then. Then I want to ask. Oh no, no, no! What I'm saying, I'm not saying you. I'm saying like the (laughs) general conjecture of people online. Like you telling me, I I like your recommendations. The whole reason I went and watched the first episode is because of you. I'm just saying the general like conjecture on the internet for me is reaching the office thing of like everywhere you go, you see and hear people talking about. Oh, it's definitely better than Breaking Bad or this or that. Or it's just like man, Mm -hmm. it's a. It's 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 a lot. It gets grating to some extent, but I'm pretty sure me talking about Marvel and people talking about Marvel in general is the same for people who aren't into Marvel. So I totally get it. it just yeah, to me, I well, can't I think... fathom that show being better than Breaking Bad. And you know, I'm saying that totally unjustified in my opinion because I haven't watched any of it. But it's just it's just that t- I don't know. I don't know. I'm probably way off base on it. I think you have a point about you know like keeping perspective and not. Uh, you know, not hyperbolizing things and just understanding where you're at. Like you're a part, especially when you're in, when that's what the conversation is and you're part of it. Like some things, some things are just so bad that, you know, some people are going to sour on it even in the middle of it. Like Game of Thrones, everyone just, you know, we're down on that right away at the end. But some things like, yeah, maybe in another year from now, once Saul is done and I've watched it Breaking Bad again, I might, I might be like, yeah, actually Breaking Bad was better. Even if, you know what I mean? So yeah. I, think you, I think you're right. It's a matter of, you know, obviously like what you like and, and talk about it as much as you want and be positive. That's awesome. But like to also keep perspective where you can, I guess. Um, I think part of it is stuff reaching a point where you're not allowed to not like it. Like, so there's a, I think we've talked about this before. There's a difference and it kind of bothers me with people where like, if I were to tell you, uh, I'm just gonna make up an artist. Hey, do you like Post Malone? And you're like, oh no, I, I it's just not for me. I don't like Post Malone. I'm not saying you do or don't. And as opposed to you saying, oh, no, he's trash, right? I think mm-hmm. oftentimes people, there's a difference between not liking something and thinking something's bad. And yeah. I think people have a hard time making that distinction of like, oh, if they think it's not for them, then it's automatically bad because they don't like it, which is with a very egotistical viewpoint. You know what I mean? And for right. me, it's like The Office and I think Better Call Saul to that extent, too are at a point where like you can't say you don't like it because you're not allowed to not like it. You know, you know, you don't understand what I'm saying there. It's like, it's too good that you, the only people who don't like it don't have taste, that kind of thing. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's like, Oh, it could just not be for me. I'm not saying it's bad, you know, but that's why I like that phrase. Yeah. It's not for me or I couldn't get into it or those types of phrases. Cause one, it's, uh, even if you do think it's just outright trash and it just, it's, it's existence is offensive to you. It doesn't really do anyone any good to like say that. <laughs> really, it's just kind of yeah, it's not for me. It's usually well, and honestly, you know. people who tend to say that more often are an indicator to me that they have poor taste. Not that they don't like the thing I don't like, but their critique of things is bad. You know what I mean? If that makes sense, like them critiquing something doesn't get to a point where they can actually vocalize and articulate their thoughts. They just say this is trash. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Whereas if somebody is like, oh, this isn't for me. They might not have spent a whole day thinking about that thing, but at least they understood it enough to be like, well, I don't want to offend people who are fans of it. I'm just going to say it's not for me. It's that type of thing, you know? Yeah. So, Anyways, I am going to get to Better Call Saul. I, I promise you. That wasn't me saying, Dom, stop telling me to watch it. It was just, <laughs> I, I, I was thinking about The Office and I was like, I wonder, I was wondering why I was feeling the same way about Better Call Saul as I was The Office. And I think that's why. And um, yeah, I don't know. And that's the whole thing of like, the whole Seinfeld friends thing too is a whole other can of worms. <laughs> yeah. I, anyways, I don't want to go too long on that, but I can't wait to hear your Neo two updates. I'm interested to see how you feel it compares after you've gotten some more time into it directly to that first one. And, um, 
What, didn't they recently announce Ninja's making a... What's that new game they're making that was announced at the Xbox conference? Something different, but it looks almost like a spiritual successor to... It's like a samurai game, right? Yeah. Can't remember the name. Um, cool, though. I remember being high on it when we saw it. Anyways, that's it for episode 249. Next week is going to be our... I almost said Bloodborne. I still haven't been Bloodborne. I need to get to it. It's going to be our Elden Ring spoiler cast. I'm going to be working on the dock. Uh, Dom and I are going to be coming with our favorite parts based on questions I have and stuff like that of uh, Elden Ring. Obviously, it was a massive undertaking, a lot of stuff in that game. And uh, we want to celebrate it. And it's like, oh, it's episode 250. We don't have anything crazy to celebrate necessarily outside of it being that number. So it's like, hey, if there's any time to do an Elden Ring spoiler cast, it'd be then, right, Dom? Let's do it. Yeah. Elden Ring. If there's anything we can talk about for at least an hour, it's it's Elden Ring. So that's going to be a good time. Um, hopefully, no crazy news breaks in the video game industry because I kind of want to keep it just a spoiler cast. Um, but I guess if something massive happens, we might just make it as, I don't know, we'll figure it out. Anyways, if you guys want to follow us collectively, we are at CTRLINT. That's controlled interests on Twitter. Individually, Dom is at OB Dom Kenobi, but the O and OB is the number zero, not the letter O. I am at Jared Weich, J E R R A D W Y C H E. Uh, you can follow us on YouTube. Subscribe, hit the bell notification so you never miss an upload. Like the video if you enjoy it. Leave us a comment. Let us know. Uh, do you like Better Call Saul in the Office? And tell me why I'm wrong uh, for my whole <laughs> uh, diatribe I had there. Uh, other than that, you can follow us on your favorite podcast service, wherever it is, Spotify, Apple Music. Leave us a review. It definitely helps us out, guys. And uh, we'll see you guys next week for our Elden Ring spoiler cast. Uh, did we ever remember the catchphrase for Elden Ring? Show me your hands. Or what was oh, <laughs> yeah. See your fingers or something like that. Oh, uh, yeah. That's weird. I, I feel much like more comfortable saying praise the sun than let me see your fingers. Yeah. Pull my finger. Uh, <laughs> we'll catch you guys next week. See you then. Bye.